Ion 2020 episode 187. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me for another day, another day in the life of the uh, presidential campaign and all the things that are going on with the Democrats, Republicans, and the Libertarians and everything else in between. I'm trying to make sure that you are staying up on the news and related events so that you can be the most informed person you can be with regards to the 2020 election and all that's going on. Uh, thanks for joining me, though, and uh, keep on coming back if you want to. You can go ahead and subscribe to the show, and that'll help you to come back tomorrow and listen. Uh, that'll put it right back into your podcatcher, right? And then also, uh, if you would like to, and you look, like the show a lot, you just give me a five-star rating and review, okay? Uh, Bernie Sanders, man, God love the guy. He is out to buy just about as many votes as he possibly can. You guys have heard this, right, uh, where he just wants to... Uh, he just has a plan for everything. He has a plan to buy as many votes as he possibly can. It just blows my mind the things that he comes up with that he wants the federal government to control. And uh, it's just amazing to see. I mean, he has his plan for, um, you know, Medicare for all, which he ultimately wants to lead into a single, like the single payer uh, health care. But then he also wants to, eventually he's going to want a government takeover of healthcare in some way as well. Uh, you can see where he's going with this. So this is all these socialist views and stuff that he has. But um, his most recent one, so he has all these vote buying ideas, right? $15 minimum wage, give teachers 60 grand a year, uh, which, and then, you know, Medicare for all, paying for children's, children's daycare, things like that. He just has everything that he wants to do. But the latest one that he came out with, that's what I want to talk about today, is uh, Bernie Sanders has a housing plan that calls for $2.5 trillion in new spending and nationwide rent control. Can you imagine that? Well, actually, I can't imagine it because he completely wants the government to take over every sector of the economy, including rental homes and everything else, too, I would imagine. I mean, I'm sure if he had his way, he'd have like government housing uh, projects that are run by the government and uh, the federal government and so forth. Uh, these giant towers of just del destroyed, dilapidated, um, you know, towers of uh, that they used to have back in the 50s and 60s, and they still stand today in New York City and stuff. And I mean, this is how it is. I mean, when I, I went back, way back when, I did some backpacking around Europe, and I traveled, and I ended up going into the, this is like 2002, I backpacked Europe, I ended up in the Eastern European block, and uh, this is about 10 years after communism fell there, so uh, things were starting to get back onto track into a more capitalist environment, I guess, um, but you still had a lot going on there where it was like the economies were bad um they weren't thriving economies by any means and i remember going into i was hanging out with a friend and uh or a, a friend that i had met i guess and uh i went up to the like it was just a girl and nothing romantic by any means it was just a friend and uh 
I ended up staying at their house because it was her and her family's house, right? So I ended up staying at their house. And uh, I went to the top. It was like on the 12th or 13th floor of one of those old communist block housing projects, right? And you go up to the top of it, and it's just completely... Like, nothing nice about it whatsoever. Like, you got into the elevator and you had to, like, there was no door on the elevator. You basically had to use this little control lever and push it up. And then you had to stop it when you got to your level. Like, you had to fully control the thing and everything. Um, and this is 2001, 2002. Like, they're using the same technology that they are using in the early 1900s in this country. And this is in uh, Slovakia, so it's part of the former Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia. And... Uh, when you go into the homes, like, it's just, they're just not nice homes whatsoever. They're, they're, they're places where you would not expect to be, uh, you would not expect anything like that in America. And I'm sure there are in these, in the uh, housing projects and stuff like that. I'm sure they are pretty run down and stuff, but uh, this was just run down completely. But there was, the thing is, is when they build these comic block, communist block housing, like, they look beautiful Everyone's trying to get into them, right? Five years later, things start to break. Ten years down the road, things start to break. Thirty years down the road, nothing ever gets updated whatsoever. And then you just end up with a rundown place because they're not putting the capital needed. That's part of capitalism. It's putting capital in, capital into the things, right? And uh, no one was putting any money into them. So you end up with just these rundown places. The same thing with the housing projects. And that's the same thing that'll happen down the road if you had the government, you know, doing these housing plans that Bernie's calling for. So that's what I want to talk about today was Bernie's housing plan. So I found an article, and it was Reason, Reason Magazine, 9-16-2019 by Christian Britschke, I guess is how you pronounce it, Britschke. And uh, it says, Bernie Sanders' housing plan calls for $2.5 trillion in new spending and nationwide rent control. When they say 2.5 trillion, that means 2.5 trillion over 10 years, right? But still, that's two point or 250 billion dollars a year on an already an, a budget that's already uh, way overburdened as it is, right? So that's actually 2.5 billion dollars more in in or 250 billion dollars more in uh, borrowing that he's going to want this country to do in that way. So it says the socialist presidential candidate wants the federal government to take the lead in regulating rental prices and building new rental housing. Senator Bernie Sanders has released his ambitious housing plan that stays true to the candidate's interventionist brand of democratic socialism in a speech to trade unions members in Las Vegas, Nevada on Saturday. Sanders laid out his vision for tackling high housing costs, homelessness, and gentrification through a mix of nationwide rent control increased federal spending on housing vouchers and public housing construction and higher taxes on the wealthy. So we talked about that yesterday, higher taxes on the wealthy. If they taxed the wealthy at 100%, it wouldn't even cover the uh, the what, what the government spends today, let alone all the crazy plans that they have, right? I don't have to tell anyone in America that we have an affordable housing crisis in Nevada and Vermont and all over this country, was what Sanders says. It is unacceptable to me that over 18 million families in America today are paying more than 50% of their limited income on housing. So let's talk about this for a minute, guys. Let's talk about this. So his idea is to have a mix of 
nationwide rent control. So nowadays you do have cities that have rent control. Like New York City, you go out west. Uh, I mean, most cities, not most cities, but a lot of like the bigger cities, Chicago, New York, San Francisco even has rent control. A lot of these cities have rent control big time within these cities. And the politicians use it and say, hey, look, I'm helping out the poor, these poor people that are already in the homes because they can't afford them. So we're going to control the rent. We're going to make it so that they can't increase the rent for five years or 10 years. Or maybe they'll be like, the rent, the rent has to be $500 a month and you're only allowed to raise it by 1% a year or something like that, right? So what happens with rent control is, I mean, economists are pretty much agreed on agreed upon with this stuff, right? Rent control is not something that helps out the poor in the sense of like this, right? Yes, the people that are immediately in the homes are helped out because they they maybe the politician comes and they'll help them to have pay less on rent. But over time, what happens is the owners of those homes, the renter, the the landlords will stop putting money into it. So let me read this from The Economist, okay? Because this will actually sum it up the best. Economists on both left and right tend to to disagree, um, or tend to agree. And then it says, among the best understood issues in all of economics, and among economists anyway, is this is one of the least controversial. Economists reckon... A restrictive price ceiling reduces the supply of property to the market. When prices are capped, people have less incentive to fix up and rent out their basement flat or to build rental property. Slower supply growth exasperates the price crunch, and those landlords who do rent out their properties might not bother to maintain them because when supply and turnover in the market are limited by rent caps, Landlords have little incentive to compete to attract tenants. Rent control also means that landlords may also become choosier, and tenants may stay in properties longer than makes sense. And in some evidence shows that those living in rent-controlled flats in New York tend to have higher median incomes than those who rent market-rate apartments. That may be because wealthier households may be in a better position to track down and secure rent-stabilized properties. The example of Germany is also an imperfect one. Many cities there have been seeing declining populations and low or falling housing prices over the past two decades, although the latter is now changing in several cities. But what rent control ends up doing is this. So if you're a landlord and you have a house, or you have 10 units, they could rent out for $500 each. So you can make $5,000 total off of those 10 units in a month. And then every single year, you're going to have that coming in. Well, a year later, the value of your house goes up. The value of that property goes up. So you say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and increase the rent. And then the the government says, no, 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 you can't increase the rent. So then you end up having $500 more going into it. And then 10 years later, you're just sitting there thinking to yourself, everyone else is charging $750 for the same house. I I'm, I can only charge $500 for the same piece, same apartment Um and then it just makes it so that the incentive for you to invest in that building goes away. You're not going to put new carpet in. You're not going to maintain it as well and so forth. And that's just the way that that's just, that's just the natural cause because you don't have an incentive to 
make the place look better. They become run down. You go to New York and there was a lot, I mean, there's lots of run down homes in those rent control districts because of that. It's just, that's the way it always is. And that's what Bernie Sanders wants to go nationwide. Does he really want the federal government to be in control of that stuff too? That just blows my mind that that's the case. But um, he does believe that you know, the, the federal government should have maximum control over the entire economy, it sounds like to me. So going back to Bernie Sanders, he wants to do this rent control thing. And then the other thing, increased federal spending on housing vouchers. So he wants to increase, he wants more federal spending on housing vouchers. A voucher is something that is just given to somebody in order so that they can go out and use that money to purchase, um, or not purchase, but pay for the rent on the home, right? So if you go into a neighborhood and it's a thousand dollars a month and you can get a five hundred dollar voucher then the federal government's going to pay five hundred of that so you're going to use that and you're only going to pay five hundred so um it puts people into a better position i guess that are poor to get into a into a better home um but that and that 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 does not disincentive that does not leave uh negative incentives for the landlord but then again it is federal spending on those things and it causes perverse incentives for the renter because at that point let's say they're in that home and they start making a little bit more money and then they can't um they can't get the housing voucher anymore now they're stuck in a thousand dollar a month more month rent that they can't afford anymore so then they say you know what what we have to do is we have to figure out a way to get you know make money off the books we need to um make it so that we don't look like we don't make as much money what kind of incentive is that for the person who is, if you're getting $500 a month and then your raise, you get you go from $10 an hour to $12 an hour and that raise makes it so you're not going to get that $500 voucher anymore, you're going you're gonna to not take the raise, you're going to work less or whatever. Um, or you're going to try to get that extra $2 off the book somehow. I don't know. You're going to try to game the system is what it is. It leads to gaming the system. It leads to people not trying to improve themselves as well. So, because you get stuck in that, it's kind of like the welfare trap, you know. And then they says public housing construction. So you want to have more public housing construction, Bernie. That's what he wants. Um, like I said, the '40s and '50s when they're building all of the, you know, the giant brick buildings in the cities and stuff like that. These housing projects. Yeah, they looked beautiful in the beginning, and everyone talked about how they, they, were, they were grandiose and they were great. Look at them in the 1970s and 1980s when it was just drug kingpins everywhere. It's um, drug dealers everywhere. You know, housing, like, you know, the houses are run down, the apartments are run down, and there's mass shootings in these places all the time and gang violence and stuff like that because no, no new capital goes into those things. Public housing does not seem to work. And you can see that. I mean, at, when you go into a place where there's a public housing project, I mean, I drive through like backwoods towns all over South and North Carolina all the time. And there's always in almost every town, there's like this one little area that's like the public housing area. And these are places where when you drive by, you're like, I wouldn't want to live there. There's no trees. Um, it's just like these brick buildings. Um, they'll have like a front porch. But I mean, the entire place is cleared with no trees. There's nothing nice about living in those places. And they, they tend to be like the places that no one wants to live in in those neighborhoods as well. And that's what Bernie Sanders wants more of, is more housing, public housing construction. I mean, that's a failed policy. And he's really selling that idea, I guess. I just don't think that, um, I don't know. I, 
obviously he's a socialist and obviously he wants the government to control that stuff. So that's just the way that he is. Um, people fall for it. To be honest with you guys, though, I don't think that he's a serious candidate at this point. I just think that he is trying to get as many new quote unquote, quote unquote ideas out there so that, because they're not really new ideas, but he's trying to get more and more ideas out there now so that he can kind of change the way that the conversation is just like he did in 2016. And now he's doing it again. And look at the, the norm now is we need to have Medicare for all. The norm is all of them are running on free college tuition. The norm now is everyone's running on $15 an hour. He changed the conversation. And I think he's trying to push that bar even further now because he knows he's not going to win. I don't even know that he wants to win. I just think he's trying to change the conversation that people are having. And that's why he's going so far left as to even pr propose $2.5 billion or trillion dollars in spending on housing projects and everything else. And this supposed higher taxes on the wealthy is going to pay for it. But the reason why he's able to do this, and I say this pretty much at the close of every show, the reason why he's able to do this and the reason why he's able to get people to listen to him while he talks about these crazy ideas, these washed up ideas from the past, is because the younger people that are out there that are listening to him, that, that, that agree with him on these things, they don't understand the economics of it. They don't understand the politics of it. They don't understand that more government is not good. More government leads to more corruption. More government leads to perverse incentives. More government is not good. We need limited government. We need the government to stay out of these things because that will lead market rates. If there's a demand for $500 a month housing, somebody will provide it. And they'll do a better job than the government will. All he's saying is that, yes, there's a demand for cheaper housing and the government should provide it. But if the government stays out of it, if the government got out of the regulating of these properties, if the government got out of the price rent controls, if the government got out of the housing market completely, you would have a situation where somebody would provide a very good quality $500 a month home, even a $300 a month home, or even a $200 a month home in the city. They will allow it to happen, but the governments won't allow it. The city governments have so much corruption in them that... that I mean, if you want to build a building in New York City, there's so many rules and regulations they have to go through that it makes it almost impossible to build something that's not a multi-million dollar home. You know, like if you want to build an apartment building in New York City, every single one of those units is going to go for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the cost to do business in New York City, right? The regulations that they have. But somebody will provide those apartments somehow, and it doesn't need to be the federal government. It doesn't need to be the city governments or even the state governments. It could be left to the free market because where there's a demand, somebody will figure out how to provide it, okay? But it's the easiest thing for a young person and somebody that's a Bernie Sanders supporter. It's so easy for them to sit there and say to themselves, oh, yeah, we'll just have the government take care of it. But that's not true. Think outside the box. Allow them to learn about Liberty. Teach them about liberty. We need to be out there and doing that. That's our job, guys. Get out there and talk about libertarian ideals, libertarian solutions to problems as well. We can change the conversation that people have. And just like Bernie Sanders was able to change the conversation for the last three years, three or four years since he got into the national stage back in 2015, just like he was able to change that, we can start changing that as well. 
It has to be done through a grassroots groups a grassroots effort of us getting out there and talking to people about it, okay? Supporting the candidates that are talking about limited government and liberty. Support those people. And then we'll have our candidate like Bernie Sanders who will move the ball towards liberty and move the conversation towards liberty liberty on a national level, just like Ron Paul did in 2008 and 2012. Just like Bernie Sanders is doing on the opposite end of the spectrum in 2016 and now in 2019, okay? So get out there and talk to your friends about it. Let's change the, the, let's change the way people want to interact with their government. Let's change the expectations that people have of their government, okay? Let's let the, get them focused in on liberty and libertarian principles. And that's what we can do by conversating with our friends and conversating with our families about it and getting them to understand liberty. And then you keep on coming back every week. This is your Friday show, so come on back Monday and you'll have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you. But if you are a salesperson, or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales, or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales, or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast that's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.